we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Strikes a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a try to Andrew John. Bruce Street from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. All right, we're still coming to you live from Warramai Lands. Uh, this is the Bay 53 podcast uh, with Bretto and the K-Dog. Uh, that's a very, fairly unfortunately timed text message, Bretto. <laughs> that, baby. Um, we're still brought to you by uh, A-plus contracting and polywelding. And, uh, mate, the, uh, the weekend festival of footy uh, continues on. We've now got uh, State of Origin 3 from 1996 on in the background. Ken Sutcliffe tells us that uh, while they're at Lang Park, they refer to it as the Cauldron, but um, the Mighty Blues, with an unchanged 17, will be going for uh, a clean sweep. But, um, Bretto, we, we've just fired up the microphone. We're back on recording. Latrell Mitchell, star performance, and he's ruled himself out of Origin 3. I mean, that's great. Like It's not like, you know... He's a good player and he's going to rip us apart next week. I'm, 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 gen, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely happy for the fella, you know. Well, it's nice to see, you know, a top shelf black fella come to town. I prefer he wasn't anally craving the team at the same time, but you know, each of their own. Look, I think for the purposes of uh, next Friday night, uh, let's not fight it. Let's just, uh, let's just sit back, enjoy it. And, um, you know, just uh, try to grin and bear through uh, through the episode. Well, getting beat by South was, was going to be bad enough, but I, I can almost deal with it if at least Trell does it. Um, he was phenomenal tonight. Yeah. He and, just, and played for three months. Yeah. And he just showed what... Um, not South have been lacking. I wouldn't say that they've been lacking, but missing. Like, they've been... Yeah. And who would have thought missing your best player um, impacts the, the way that you play in uh, top flight NRL rugby league? And, the, and just this, the whole style of South play is the fullbacks, the link man. It's their entire style of attack. And without the link man, their attack was a lot flatter. Um, and as I said, he hasn't played for three months in one of the heaviest tracks seen in Sydney in decades. And he just straight back into it. So we've got, we've, got, we've got Origin on the background. I stupidly left the anthem on playing in the background if only because um, all the players stand around in a circle. So they're not doing their lineup, facing the crowd. Something you don't really see anymore. Yeah, because this was before the American Patriots become part of Australia <laughs> and we, we did all that bullshit. Um, there's some great footy today. Like... Um, so the afternoon kicked off with um, some of the wettest rugby league I've seen in several years. Uh, Combat Stadium looked like it had um, uh, it looked like downtown Townsend Oval or something. Like it just uh, the, the the conditions were utterly torrential. Um, but yeah, Shark prevailed. Got over the got over the Bulldogs. Yeah, that was one of those games where Cronulla were just a little bit too good. I think Kevin played particularly badly, but Cronulla just. 
too much strike power would it matter are we you're more confident than I am but are we ready to start discussing a bit more our agenda about the Bulldogs team or yeah yeah so this was something I picked up on on Twitter uh, a few months ago and I don't think it's gotten anywhere near enough attention but essentially statistically accepted at least in the NRL era and we'll stick to the NRL era I don't know much about pre that but statistically the Newcastle Knights from 2015 to 2017 are the the least winningest team in the history of uh, the NRL they managed 14 and a half wins um, out of 72 games or 14 and a half wins over three years So over the last two seasons, the Bulldogs coming into this season had only managed six wins. Mm. That's right, isn't it? 2023. I forgot how bad the Broncos were in 2020. Because the Broncos won three games as well. So it was just the... Yeah, because they're inferior points diff. So they won three games in 2020. They won three games in 2021. So that meant that the Bulldogs had to win nine games this season to be the worst team over the in the history of the NRL. And they started this. They obviously started the season poorly, but I think where they're sitting on the ladder at the moment, they need to win five out of their last nine to get the fifteen wins to not be the worst team of the NRL era. And that'd be that'd be a great thing to just knock off <laughs> that the, the Knights are no longer um, holding on to. Yeah, I, 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 I can't see them winning five out of nine, but it'd be a very nice thing for them to do that and I still hold that shitty record. <laughs> so they're sitting on four wins out of 16 at the moment. Um, I can't really see their draw. They've got a fairly tough draw. We, we, um, we've got them at home, so we need to knock them off. For starters, do us a favour there. Yeah. So hang on, sorry, they've got to win five from their last eight. Sorry, they've played, so today they played their 16th game. Oh, because they played, yeah, because they played the first week. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've got the bye yeah. next weekend. Yeah. So they've got to win five of their last eight, and one of those games is against us. Yeah. That we absolutely must win yeah. for a pride alone. So, yeah. um, unfortunately, yeah, so for, for, the, for, for any Bulldogs fans who might enjoy our content from time to time, you sick bastards. For the rest of the season, we are very much uh, not the Bulldogs. Um, they but we're still a... pro-Fox. <laughs> so they can lose 40 to 36 with Fox scoring all six. Why have the Bulldogs escaped so much scrutiny over the last three years? Like, you think about the instability. that We, we were owned by the NRL when yeah. we were bad. Yeah. Why? So the, well, the Broncos saved me in 20. Yeah, but the Broncos being so bad that took all the press coverage. Yeah, and last year I think Penrith and Melbourne being so good. Yeah, and and they weren't. And the thing is, in those years they weren't standout worst team. Yep. Like the only year in those three years of our spoons, fifteen was the only year where the spoon was you know in with other teams. Sixteen and seventeen will get it all season. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the thing. It looks like the dogs are going to avoid the spoon again this year. And the dogs are a pro. The, the press love the dogs. Like you know they. Yeah. That's the A. So, how did the dogs get into this? How did the dogs get into this situation, though? Like, how does a club as proud as Canterbury, like they were in a grand final two thousand and twelve? Yeah. How did they go from that to being one of the, potentially one of the most losing? Look, certainly they've been one of the most losingest teams over the last um, over a two year. The period. exact same way we did. They stopped producing their own players, and they tried to buy players, and they kept making mistakes. 
But what, what leads to sort of where you just do, where you just stop looking because at Because you could stop putting money into the, into the nursery. Yeah. And okay. when the, when the, a lot of teams are left behind, we were one of them, and the dogs were probably the worst of it. When it, it got to the point of junior development was now the key to success, some teams got left behind, and dogs were one of those teams. They tried to do it, they would try to like the Knights. They tried to do it the, the way they've always done it with that pump of the money into it, and it just, yeah, they fell way behind. Then they just made mistake after mistake in the Des Hasler era, trying to, be, trying to buy players, and got themselves into a puddle where they couldn't get out of it. And then all the all the smart guys in the club left, and they were left with just, yeah. They've got the Rabbitohs up next after their buy. So the Old South will probably, probably they should win do that. that. Yeah. They've got the Titans, so they're probably not, and yeah. then they come up against us. Yeah, look, anyway, that's 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 one of the things that we'll be watching fairly closely as our season sort of dwindles out to the out to the end of the year. Um, but they still won one out of one out of three wooden spoons in those years, and we'll, yeah, you know, yeah, and that's that's something that look the three wooden spoons in a row, we're not shaking that tag anytime soon. Um, Cowboys Broncos game, a good game, was sort of. It wasn't one of the. It wasn't one. I think people romanticise a lot about the Cowboys yeah. Broncos encounters. Yeah. Like we had that good period there yeah. where there were a few good games in a yeah. row, but overall, yeah. it's still a fixture where it likes a good blowout. Yeah, it tells me those two teams are nowhere near the top two. Yeah. Yeah, there's just it's just I can't see us on a Pepper Melbourne Grand Final. If they're the third and fourth best teams in the comp, mm. they're miles off those top two teams. Miles off those top two teams. And um, fresh off uh, us doing a fair amount of recording, where we were happy to make the uh, the Parramatta Eels the romantic team of the pod, they uh, they put in a stinker. So and... I did. I did everyone a favour and got the <laughs> well, You're welcome. Credit where it's due, Bruno. Well, it was actually really weird. So as we were watching Souths tonight, um, and again, I've sort of said this to you a few times this year. Uh, Latrell's a star. Like, I, I don't understand why anybody has a problem with this guy. And it was so funny when the Mark Gottlieb tweet um, came up about the logo thing on his beanie was someone else, I think it's Pickestonian or something. He actually, Pickatos, anyway, he actually tweeted something which I was thinking at the time, which when Trell was being interviewed, he looked so happy. Mm. He just looked like he was genuinely happy to be back and happy to be a part of it and happy within himself. Why the fuck would you make such a, any deal whatsoever about whether or not a logo could be seen on his beanie? Like, he yeah. just looked like he was, I'm back, and this is, I'm happy to be here, and yeah, it was... Uh, it was but what just, if you Mark Gottlieb the, the wherewithal to say anything? What's it got to do with Mark Gottlieb? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Like, if, even, if, even if there was an issue there, what has it got to do with Mark Gottlieb to say something yeah. other than racism? Well, and look, you know, it was... Je- I think I said this to you earlier, it was genuinely pleasing to see the number of responses that were pointing that out to him, which he didn't appreciate. Yeah, because he's a moron. He's, he's an A-grade <laughs> moron. Um, he's, he's so stupid, he was too stupid for Fox. Um, Mark Gottlieb, if you are listening... We Fuck mean, off. <laughs> we mean every word of it. Um, we've been having a bit of a deep dive, or at least a, a bit, bit of a deep think about... Um, the nights and you know what it takes to sort of we've been thinking a fair bit about the club and what we want to do to get the club back in a you know if we were in sort of charge and you said something interesting to me um 
earlier today, which sort of blew my mind. And I've been thinking about it a lot. Hang on, Joey's just carving up. I don't know, spreading it wide. So, you are of the opinion that based on the calculations as you see it, the Knights going into next season have got the potential for $2.5 million in cap space yeah. for our salary cap spend yeah. next year. And see how I work that out is, I think we've got about a million bucks to spend, which is based on we've still got some money from this year thing. We still haven't we still haven't spent the, the, um, the money we put aside for halfback. That's still available. Yep. We still haven't put aside, we've still got the money available that we put aside for Elon Lukey. So all that stuff, so I say about a million bucks is probably a fair guesstimate in that range, you know, and obviously they want to spend some of that on MILF if they can get him. Plus the salary cap's going up a million and a half next year. The rumor is it'll be about 11.6 next year. So that gives us two and a half million bucks extra. Where have you heard the talk about the That was reported in Murdoch as a not an official, but that's what they'd all heard. I think Brett Rue repeated it too, but that, that's what they heard the cap's gonna be in that 11.6 range. All right, so we were sort of having a chat about this a bit in the Looney Cleans chat. If you're running, if you're given the opportunity to head up recruitment and make the hardest push you possibly can, what are you doing with the two and a half million or that extra space? And the response was fairly universal. I think everybody in the end was in agreement with what yeah. we do with it. Yeah. Well, the first the option is you you work at how much you're going to cost you at Care Monster in town in 2024. That that's that's your top of your tree. Throwing a, throwing a shot at the moon. Can we get Cam Munster? Have a, have a quick... I'm not saying put money aside, leave it aside. Just have a quick run at it. Have a, get an idea of a ballpark for him and what, and what that'll happen. I don't think we can get him, but I also think that we should pay overs for him because I think he's a transformative player. Um, you, know, you know how when it looked like KP was going to be leaving and all the media were always talking about all the players from clubs who played with him at Queensland who were going to get in his ear. Why isn't... There's no reason why KP can't be getting in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think if we... Our climbing out situation were located in Sydney or Brisbane, we'd be a big shot at it. Yeah. I think the Newcastle thing's the problem, but yeah. Do you think there's something in it, though, for Cam Munster to enjoy the smaller scrutiny? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's how we've got to sell them. We've got to jump sell it the same way. How, how, how great it is to be, you know... <laughs> A bit of a loose cannon in a small town. <laughs> like, the man will never oh. buy his gear ever again. <laughs> we never have to buy their gear ever again. And then you'll have to provide it for him. I'm, you know, I know people. <laughs> Cameron, we can get yourself out, brother. Like, straight off the ship in Columbia, fresh. Okay, so that aside, if we're making a play for camp, like, we need a half. Yeah, but that's not the only yeah. deficiency that we no, sort of no. have. So our things is we need a, a serviceable backup nine. Yep. So we need a guy that's happy to be the backup, which is hard to find. But there are plenty of guys around. You know, you can get a serviceable guy. I think I think we need uh, a serviceable nine, uh, backup nine. Obviously, we need a half, at least one half, if not two, mm. and we need back row depth. We've, we've, we've spoken about this a fair bit this year, at least in terms of um, the Knights being the Knights, is that it's a classic case of the Knights doing Knightsy things where we've got all of this money to spend next year, but you wouldn't look at all of the off-contract players that are likely going to be available for next season, and it's not a case of bring your checkbook. There's nothing really out there that entices yeah. you to say, 
I want to spend a shitload yeah. of money on yeah. them. Yeah, and that's and that's the hard thing. But and that's why you don't pay overs for anyone at the top transformer deal. Yeah. You just buy guys who fill gaps for a year or two. The problem, as I see it, though, is that particularly the way this year has gone, Adam O'Brien doesn't have a gap here next year. No, no. But the thing is, our squad now with just two, two or three holes plugged should be a top eight team. Yeah. We're not trying to build a team from the bottom. Yep. One of the other things we spoke about is how much money do you throw at Anthony Milford and for how long? Well, we, we agreed that our number would be 1.182 years. 500 to 600. Which is based on the idea that we've got an $11.5 million salary cap yep. next season. Yep. And I think well, the, what the, the, the thing we liked about those numbers is that you're looking at a halfback is a half a million. A half, a five-eighth or a halfback is a half million dollar player. Anyway. Just a first grade. Just yeah, a first grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Anthony Milford... If he's signing for that, you're going to get great value for it. Yeah. And the way you sell it to him is that we've got an opportunity here to give you an environment where you can play good footy. We've shown you that you can play good footy here, but also you can play good footy without the million dollar pressure, yeah. million dollar price tag pressure hovering over you. Yeah. And a two year deal puts him back on the market at 29. So it gives him the enticement. Instead of locking him into a long term deal, the two years, yeah, acts as a sort yeah. of enticement yeah. to go. He can still get he can still get a big four year deal to finish for a year and yep. get two and a half million over four years. You know, and it's only thirty three. Yep. You know, like the two year deal to me is ideal for him because it yeah it gives him two years to prove that he's back to being you know a top level half and he'll he'll easily get seven eight hundred thousand dollars a year on a four year deal after that. You are listening to the Bay Fifty Three podcast. So, Cam Munster, Milf, we're, we're obviously fairly keen to get them. We're sort of talking about forwards, though. Are there any forwards out there that you can think of? I'd be going to the Cowboys, because the Cowboys are going to bluff the back rows. So, with, with, um, with uh, Luke and Matt and I locked in now, they've just bought Luke Schley Lua, and they've got a stack of back rowers. Mm-hmm. I'd be trying to get a few of those guys that are on the fringes of first grade, and say there's an opportunity in our squad if you can, if you can hit the ground running to play first grade every week. Well, surely that's what Clint Zammett must be up Yeah, yeah, yeah Tom Gilbert types, those sort of players. That's what Clint... If Clint Zammett's not doing that, he's not worth anything to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a case, though, where we've already been burnt by the towns, by the Cowboys' experience with what happened with um, Lukey? Is that a case of once bitten, twice shy? Do, like, do we want to go well, back to well, that? Why, why would Clint, do we kill yeah. Clint Zammett? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's the case, buy Clint. We don't need you, mate. We'll, we'll, we'll get a local guy in to, to scout locally. What do we do with Jake Clifford? Is Jake Clifford still an option next year, or is he? I think that's Jake Clifford. I think that's completely other Jake Clifford. Yeah. If we think that his head's gone and he can't play, he doesn't want to be in a play first grade. We just got to release him. It's just, it's just wasted money, and not pay a set. Like you're free to go, Jake, but you don't you don't take any money with you. Yep. Or you know he can stay and and get his block back because I still think he's in our best thirteen players. He, and I still, agree with that. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. Ideally, the next year, him and Milford starting at seven and six. Yep. Um, there was some talk. It was it was actually quite interesting to listen to Adam O'Brien's presser after the game, where he talked. He got asked directly about Tex Hoy. Um, I don't. I think it would be such a shame if Tex went to over to the Super League 
and, and, and certainly not this year. And um, Adam O'Brien made it clear that that's not going to happen. But next year as well, I think next year is a great opportunity. It's such a waste off the back of this year. Yeah. This is where you've got to take the chance. Can this springboard be, and not necessarily a career at the Knights, can I at least springboard into a first-grade career somewhere without needing to go to England? Because that's actually what Adam O'Brien said, to his credit. He said, Texwell is a good player. He, yeah. he, he deserves to be at an NRL club, club yeah. somewhere, and that's why we want him here. We want him to be a part of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, and as I said to you earlier, Carlo, we've literally got no backup next year. Bailey Hodgson... All the injuries had, even though he's now extended for another year to next year, he's got to play a full year of reserve grade. Yeah. He, he still only played not even double figures games in reserve grade yet. Surely not. No. Yeah. So, you know, he's got to play. So, we've, we've literally got no fullback backup for next year. Yep. So, we can re Milf, there's an option there. But ideally, Milf's a permanent halves player in the halves. Texas is really valuable to us for next year. Yep. If we look at our back line in terms of the stocks that we've got at the moment, it, it, it's a weird backline in terms of because we don't seem to know, like we've got all of these numbers and we don't really know where all the pieces fit yet. So, as the matter currently stands, our best back five, and I'm actually going to discount. I'm going to discount Edric Lee because we'll get to him in a second. Um, I think our best back five is theoretically uh, KP Dom, uh, Bradman Best. Heimel Hunt and Gades on the wing. Yeah. And of course, out of that, you're sort of leaving uh, Anari Tuala and yeah, Edric Lee. But as we know, Edric Lee is sort of leaving next year. What, what are we doing with Gades? Like, what are we doing with Gades and Heimel when they're both fit and then and they've got to come back in or they're, and they're coming back inside? Because we've just extended Heimel Hunt for another three years and this is his first, first year of those three years. What will happen is... Next year, Heimel will start the wing and Gage will start the centre. What should happen is Heimel should start the centre and Gage should start the wing. Yeah. I think... And I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think if the club is smart about it and if Gage is smart about it, he'll sort of be happy to go out onto the wing as well. Yeah. Because he can do a much simpler job and the last few months have just sort of one thing, one thing I will say about look, looking at all these depth of players available, you've got to remember, after every season, a club that does poorly, the club blows up. Yep. The you know, players just lose their shit and they just wholesale change everything. So that's what we're on the outfit for. Can, you know, can a, you know, a Titans or a Bulldogs or someone, you know, just the club have a bit of a meltdown and we can pinch a few players. In <laughs> because that's what people have done to us. That's exactly what teams have done to us. Yep. It's exactly what's happened to us. You know, the club's imploded and clubs have just picked off the, the players who got some value to them for nothing. How did Dom Young make himself one of the top five wingers in the comp in the space of 12 months? What has he been doing to sort of strengthen himself or you know, work better positionally or score these tries? Um, where, where, where is that All I can say is He's obviously a hard worker and a fast learner. Because he, cause even in the last he barely played rugby league. He was he's not a rugby league player, yeah, to his life. He was a he was a runner, he was a basketball player, he wasn't a rugby league player. But he's still still learning the game. And he's just in the NRL environment. Some guys just take it. Some guys just can learn on the spot and some guys it takes two or three years for the click. And Dom has just clicked straight away. And he's he's athletically so gifted that he doesn't need to get strong. His body would just yeah. get stronger doing an NRL weight program. Yep. 
You know, so that was all just come just because he's now got NRL guys teaching him how to lift weights and practice sprints and stuff. That's all. But he learned all the other stuff he had to learn. And credit to the Knights, whoever's coaching that stuff at the club has done an outstanding job with him. And I, I, I probably think the Gags probably had a fair bit to do that over the off season. If, if he's learned off anyone in there, it has to be. And even a guy like Edric, you know, they're good guys to learn off. Yeah, yeah. And, and especially Edric, because Edric plays a very similar game to the game Donald play. He, the key to his game is catching high balls and running it out of his own end. All right, let's have a think about our forwards then. Um, we've got Plem, we've got DSAF, we've got JSAF. Um, Leo Thompson's extended to 24 now. Yeah, I was just going to say, look, Barry Tui was sort of saying it looks like Leo's extending for yeah. another year, or, so that'll put him, give him a three-year deal at the club. I'll be really happy with the development of Leo this season. Like, he, he's very much... And another that. one, he, he, he hadn't played a dozen in a, a rugby games of rugby league as a rugby player. Yeah. Even at Canberra last year, he barely played rugby league. He was injured for a lot of the year, the COVID stuff. So he's coming into this year, he barely played a dozen games of rugby league, and he was playing first grade from week one. Week he's one. Played, and he's played all season in first yeah. grade. And he's just a player that's been asked to do far more than he really was expected to do. And, and he'll go into this off-season now knowing he's a first grader. Yes. You know? Yeah. And it's amazing what that can do through a guy's psyche, knowing that into that offseason, one of those spots in that seven is yours if you work hard enough. Does Lachlan Fitzgibbon come back into the se- the second row in the absence of Mitch Barnett, or is that the, is that that depth is that that extra forward that you're That's, talking that about? Yeah, I have no issue with with Fitzy at the start of next year starting in the back row. Yep. But there has to be someone in the squad that's ready to take his spot. And that might be one of the younger guys. Like, Jaron Purcell plays a lock in in lower grades, but he's got the ability to play edge, I think. Um, yeah, I I think that at the start of next year, unless something pops up for us, Lockie will start there. I'm not terribly unhappy with that. You've sort of beat me a bit to the punch, though, talking about the lock position, because I was going to ask about Matt Croker. When does he start? I stay in the 13 next year. That won't happen. But in my head, I stay in the 13 next year. Yep. Yep. Um, I th- I think Kurt Mann plays fourteen inch. I think they give up the Kurt Mann experiment at thirteen, just because the game's gone back to those little locks aren't as suited as, as they were. Now the rules have started to wind back. Um, I think um, Jack Hetherington or um, Elliot start it. Well, that's the, so. Th- those are the next two players that I was. Yeah, one of those two start about. next year. Well, it's got to be Elliot, surely. Only I think that because I think Heathering was all the, they love it. Heathering's athletic tools. If Heathering has a big off season, I can really see Adzi hitting the hitting the ground with him just because you know he's a guy that can show, he's got he's got a lot higher ceiling than um, Elliot. Yep. I'm just sort of flicking through some of the. I mean, you and I have sort of discussed it before. You know, players like Chris Vaila, um, Christian Mapapalangi. Uh, what what are we expecting from players like that next season? I think season? I, my hope from Mapa Blandy is that he's probably your sixth back four player. Okay. So Avenari is the fifth, and Mapa Blandy is the sixth. Think going with the fact that in twenty twenty four there's a starting spot there for him if he's if he's ready. Is Phoenix Crossland in our top thirty no, next year? No. So what's happening with Phoenix? Is that he's just, just suffering? Okay. Will he get picked up somewhere else? No. That's a shame. I mean... For who? Us to play them? <laughs> I agree. I'd love to play against him. 
Hang on, Joey's just had one of the all-time great. Oh, Joey Eddingshausen, and he sets up the Eddingshausen. Mate, I, I don't want to bang on too much about this. Um, Tell me about this Andrew Joey Johns. Uh, this isn't going to be. This is actually. This is actually going to be the breakdown that you think it is. So, because I was watching this in the background when we were sort of um, breaking down our players. I've seen this trot. So I, I've actually never seen Game Three before from the 1996 series. So I've seen this try many, many times. So this is the one where Joey makes the break from about the halfway line. He's up the left. He gets to the 10 meter line. He does the Gidley flick back inside to Eddinghausen. He scores under the post. Don't you mean Eddinghausen? So Joey's concussed here when he does this. Yeah, right. And I have only just picked up on this. So about two minutes earlier, the Blues have put up a great kick up the field. And of course, Joey's the first man chasing up, and he's just taken um, Wendell Saylor front on in a tackle, and he's laid out. Like you can see him getting up on the back just... of the huge concussion game too. Yeah, two weeks earlier, and you can see him getting up and just seeing stars. So he's done. He's done what he's done. So. Anyway. It's always the goat, my friend. Right, he's... Uh, always the goat. Well, it takes me back to that semi-final against the Roosters again, back in 2001. Joey always says, I don't remember half that game. Um, me neither, I had a big victory. Me neither, Andrew. Me neither. And I wish I forgot 2000. Um, we had a really... This is, I want to relive this conversation here. I want to, I want to bring people in on this. And if anybody, if this does end up making it um, out to the public and if people do have a listen, um, send us your thoughts or, um, you know, tweet us at Bay53pod uh, on, um, on Twitter or, or, or Instagram. If you haven't blocked us, at Mark Gottlieb. <laughs> <laughs> Bredo, you put to me a couple of scenarios before. Yes, I did. Mate, put them back to me again. I've had a bit of time to think about it, but let's see if I come up with the similar answer. So right. we're going back in time. Take it away, brother. So the year is 2000. We won the 97 Premiership. The 2000 disaster has just happened. The Brisbane Broncos come to you and say, Darren Lockie's been done with COVID, need to get him out of town. Newcastle's a place for Darren. We will <laughs> trade you right now. Darren Lockyer for Andrew Johns. And in this scenario, Andrew Johns goes on, and he's still Andrew Johns, and he wins premierships in Brisbane, but the Knights get three premierships, so you get two extras after the year 2000, if you take Darren Lockyer. But you have to watch Andrew Johns also win premierships at Brisbane. So I just want to be clear about this. So are you saying that we get Darren Lockyer at the end of the 2000 season... Yeah. We win the, we still win the 2001 Premiership yeah. and we win a couple more. And then when the dogs melt in 02, we win that Premiership? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we win another one before yeah. Lockie retires in 2011. Yeah. Okay. Are you saying, though, that Joey goes to Brisbane and only wins the 2006 Premiership? No, I'm saying that it, there's no number on what he wins there. Yeah. He just gets to be Joey there and probably wins him three or four. Okay, so... You asked me, and we had another discussion last night where I was talking about if Joey went to the Broncos at the end of 2000, just in and of his own. And I put it to you that there was the potential there that I'd probably support the Broncos. In hindsight, I, I toned that down a bit. And because I, you only got bashed on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
never, I've never had such a visceral reaction to a comment that I've made. It was, uh, it was quite surreal. I probably toned that. I probably backtracked that a little bit to more. I probably wouldn't hate the Broncos as much as I did, um, and I'm not sure I'd love Joey as much as I still do because I do forget the anxiety we were all feeling back in 2000 when it looked like he was going to crack the shits with the club and leave because we didn't re-sign his brother. Um, when you put it to me, though, that the exchange for Joey leaving is that we win more premierships, I mean, you're mad not to. You're, you're mad not to take that because if you've still got the 1997 grand final moment... Joey will like Joey's place will always be there. He's always done that for us. That blind yeah. play is etched there, no matter what we. So, but you, be, my, the, the, to me, the hard part is he's then won one premiership, the Knights, and three or four at Brisbane. He's a Brisbane immortal. He's not a Newcastle immortal. Yep. He go, he'll go down history as a Brisbane player. Yep. The Knights will never have an immortal probably ever. Are you giving all that up for two premierships? I think so. Yes, because uh, a couple of reasons. I think, sorry, I think the main reason is probably that at the end of the day, the club really probably should always be bigger than the player. And not every club has an award. And I agree with that, but we're the Newcastle Knights and he's <laughs> Andrew Joey Johns. Yeah, he is Andrew Joey Johns. And I'm Andrew Joey Johns' biggest fan. Me and Statue Guy, we're, we are one... like one. I've never seen you in the same room together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are very similarly minded when it comes yeah. to our passion for Joey Johns. Yeah. So... You know that this is, it's not easy for me to say when I consider losing that passion for Joey in exchange for something else. But I, 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 as I said to you, it's very easy for me to forget how pissed off I actually know I could see myself being at the time if Joey had left the club. And if he goes down that path, I'm not necessarily sure that it bothers me that much if... There's almost a part of me that thinks if Joey had left, winning premierships with Darren Lockyer might have made it sweeter because we're sort of showing him, like, see, we don't need you. So we can I, still I, I come at this with a completely different angle. Yeah. My, well, the two angles I come at this from are the, the, one, the player that scared me most playing against was Darren Lockyer. Every time he touched the ball, I shit my pants. Really? Because he just produced something out of nothing all the time. Yeah. And it wasn't that he was great all the time, but he just had the potential to break it open on any play. Yep. And the other thing is, I never want to cheer for Darren Lockyer. I never want to be grateful for Darren Lockyer winning Knights Premierships. I'd much prefer to be grateful Joey's won us two than Darren Lockyer's won us three. Yeah, I guess there is. Look, there, there certainly is that aspect. I think there's there's something there's something in it though that is very enticing to me about Queenslanders having to be more appreciative of the Newcastle Knights. When it comes to one of their stars. But we're going to have an immortal from Queensland anyway. So that's, you know, to me that's... Darren Lockyer's not an immortal. We will have an immortal from Queensland. The first Queensland fullback to be an immortal will, will be a Newcastle Knight. Well, you put it to me the, uh, as well that there's every potential KP is going to go down as the um, um, the most representative Maroons jerseys at fullback. Yeah, because a lot of their fullbacks didn't start a fullback like KP did. Or they didn't finish their career. Yeah, they were locked in reverse, yeah. Um. I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. 
unique, affordable, and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's tees. The other one I thought was really interesting, and you you know me too well, the fact that you knew that this was a great question to ask me, which was the Brett Kamali andrew John scenario. Yeah, yeah. Take me through that one again. So they, so essentially, it's a sliding doors moment when Brett Kamali goes to the Hunter Mariners. So Andrew Johns goes to the Hunter Mariners because he's he's stuck behind Brett Kamali. So they they have the exact same careers. Andrew Johns is still Andrew Johns. Brett Kamali is still Brett Kamali. But the Knights win three premierships, not two. So what is so, so Andrew Johnson? So Andrew Johnson has Brett Kamali's career. So he only wins the one premiership at Melbourne. He only wins the one premiership at Melbourne. The Knights get one more, but we never get to have Joe. Does he? Does Joey still go on to be? Joey's still Mortimer still. I'm not. I'm not sure that one at the time. So when he first asked me this, I was like, "Look, I'd probably still take." I'm not so sure now. I think I'd need more premierships to compensate for Joey being an immortal at Melbourne. Yeah. And I don't know why. I don't know why the idea of him being an immortal for the Storm bothers me more than the idea of him being an immortal for the Broncos. I, 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 I that's I can't explain it. Well, the Broncos don't have a true immortal. Like Wally was a Broncos player, but he's not an immortal because he yep. worked for the Broncos. Correct. The Broncos still don't have a true immortal. Yep. I mean, the Storm don't either, but they will. The other thing as well is that. Like, what's, there's nothing fun about Brett Kamali as a player. No, like, I don't know no. as a person yeah. either, but. It was just he was just such a dry, boring, inconsequential yeah. halfback to to watch. Yeah. Like but he's, jo- a, he's a Navy Cash, he's born and bred, you know, all the things that we love about Joey. Yeah. Breckham Lord's always things. Yeah. And Joey just every time he had the ball in his hand, you're like, What's gonna happen? Yeah. You were you were just so you you were just keen to see what but was yeah, gonna happen. But yeah, to next. me a ten would be more consistent with Breckham Morley, because you wouldn't fall apart when he's not playing. Yeah, but would we be... I don't think we'd be as good with him playing. I just told you, we win three premierships. <laughs> yeah, that is true, that is true. See, I'm probably taking the next step. I'm not convinced that the three premierships <laughs> are happening. <laughs> because the thing was... But he, I'm not convinced... As much as Joey lifts everyone's level, I'm not convinced all those other guys that were in Nationals and our team don't play better with Brecken Morley in the team... I think everyone lifts up to the point where we're at least as good. Because I think that there was too much of guys standing back letting Joey do it. I think that is true. Um, I think one of the overlooked aspects of Joey's career with the Knights was that he was because he's a very he's a very dominant personality. Yeah. So one more games than Rickamoli. He's injured a lot less. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're watching Joey in this Origin game. He's just throwing himself yeah. at everything. Like, yeah. he's a halfback with a nine in his back, just throwing yeah. himself at front rowers. I mean, when we all talk about Joey's career getting cut short, this is why I got cut short. This is why, he was a yeah. young He was a young halfback playing in the middle of the ruck in Origin. Yeah. A, co- a coach would, would never get to coach ever again if they did this or young. If they cleared out stuck in the middle because they wanted to play Mitch Moses at hooker. And, and, and in this day, they would do it. Mm. We've got no standard hooker in New South Wales, man. Daniel Cook's good, Abby's good. But in the, in this era, Nathan Cleary would be playing hooker and Mitch Moses would be playing halfback. Nathan Cleary is big enough in, in the body to oh, play yeah. hooker. Yeah, He's yeah, absolutely yeah. big enough in the body to play hooker. No, 100%. Yeah, no, 100%. 
This is why Joe's pretty good cut short. This sort of stuff. He was a kid playing the middle in Origin. Yeah. It's funny actually because watching this game as well. So watching, you can just tell that Freddie and Laurie are smarter at looking after themselves. Yeah. But like, I'm reluctant to sort of say that because it sounds like they're not putting. They are putting a hundred percent in. But, but they are doing so without that... They're, not, they're not just taking on front rolls front on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But by the same token, then I sort of say that. I'm like, would Joey have still been the same player he was if he wasn't going in, you know, half-cocked, just throwing himself in there, trying to take on the big boys? But the thing is, if Jim, that's the thing. If Joey just defended a half-back player, like they yeah. went fine. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. defending... It was, and even at the night, everyone was playing half the house. He'd go and stand in the middle of the field sometimes. Just because, you know, he wanted to fucking smash someone. Um... We might wrap it up shortly. We managed to go again for another 40 minutes, just <laughs> FYI. I just quick, quick, so Latrell's playing next Friday now. South's going to next Friday favourites, surely, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, what do we need to do to, can, I mean, first of all, can we shut Latrell down? Um, we can keep him relatively quiet. We can't shut him down. Yeah. What do we need to do? What do we need to do to take on South? So they'll be without Damian Cook, Jai um, Arrow, and Cam Murray. Cam Murray. All right. So and those are three big outs. Yeah. Like they are three um, significant. And we'll be missing Gags and KP. Yeah. So we'll be missing. Gags. So about last night's team, we're missing Gags, best straight in. Yeah, yeah. And Brady back. What do we need to do next week to give ourselves a chance against? Field position. So the first thing I was actually going to say was, I couldn't believe how much open space the Eels, the Eels were giving Latrell tonight. Because they will, the Parramatta thought, South got off going. Parramatta was expecting South to play tight, what where the football in South did. Yep. So that's the first thing. And, and we were actually quite, I've been actually quite impressed with our kick chase the last two games that we've played. Particularly more so because of how critical we've been of it. For, you know, and no, yeah. Clifford normally leads that in the team. Yeah. So, I think that's the first thing that we need to do. I think the second thing that we picked up from last night is that we played really disciplined football. And that's something that's so easy to stay, but it's so easy to underestimate just how important it is. Yeah. Like, holding on, to the, holding on to the rugby league ball, it, it, it's a cliche because it's, um, it's truth. You need to do that. And when we did it last night, we, we sort of had control of our destiny. So... I think that's the third thing... Oh, sorry, that's the second thing that we... The third thing I think that we really need to focus on as well and make sure that we replicate is those smart kicking options on the fifth tack, fourth and fifth tackles with Milford and Clune. We've got to make sure that we've got that disciplined kicking game to give us that field position. This is the game where the midfield bomb might work because you put it... In, I'm not saying like kick it in halfway. I mean, kick it like lands high onto the 20 and then you ring Rotrell. Yep. So you make Latrell either pass or run it three or four guys. Because Latrell's big thing is if you put two guys down on him, he's got any space, he'll bump one off and create some sort of space and at least run it back 10 or 15 metres. Yep. So you do the old tactics you still get, you say, well, you bomb it and ring him. Can you believe we're only two wins out of the eight? As, as, as you and I sit here... Um, the season's not dead. That's the scary thing. This season's not dead. 
So we were, so we were looking at it. We were looking at where what the Knights need to do um, for the rest of the season. So we, we need you and I think we need to win seven of our last nine yeah. to at least give us twelve wins. Yeah. Um, we got Souths. We got I think that gets us in. I think eleven will probably get you. I think I think seven definitely gets you in. Six probably does. See this because this was something that I'd sort of forgotten was that I'd spent a little bit of part, part of this year thinking, oh, you know, the, Titan, the Titans got to 11 and 13 last year. Ten, they had a 10 and 14. 10 and 14 record. made it last year. That is how terrible this comp yeah. is at the moment. Yeah. 10 so 11, 11, should, 11 should get in again this year. Um, our next three are the Rabbitohs, Manly, and the Roosters. And you and I are out of it. We, we have to win at least two of those games. Yeah. We don't, if we don't win two of those next yeah. games, yeah. let's. Because we're just not winning six of our last... Sorry, we're not winning five out of five to finish the season. Like, that's just not happening. Um, Rabbitohs, Eagles, Roosters. Who are those are we winning and why? Well, we have to win this week. Yeah, we have to win the... Have to win and the I Rabbitohs. think we can roll the Roosters home. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. Play the dogs at home after that, must win. We go away to the Tigers where we've had a relatively good And must it's just a must win. Yep. You gotta you I mean you gotta be able to beat the teams below yeah. you. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you're playing them. Yeah. Which brings us to the second last round. We're playing the Titans away in yeah. round twenty-four. Yeah. Well Canberra at home, Canberra that's a must win. Canberra that's a must win. Uh Broncos away, that's the that's the yeah. other loss that yeah. we've sort of yeah. banked. We're yeah. like, mm. Yeah. That's that's the and then, and then, then it all comes down to Cronulla at home and Old Boys Day. You know, hopefully shoot for a spot in the eight. And that's the thing, if we're shooting for a spot in finals... On Old Boys Day, there were 25,000 yeah. there. And one of the things this team has shown is that if they've got a sniff of an opportunity... Like they they're good, are a good enough team. They are a good enough good team enough, to take they're, they're in the game. They're good enough rugby to. Yeah. Coming up on halftime in Origin 3, 96. New South Wales is up 6-2 off that uh, converted Eddingshausen try. We might um, have a bit of a break there and uh, yeah, you might hear from us again later. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.